Hello and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chris. And I want to ask you, how are you holding up, Chris? <laughs> so our regular listeners will remember a couple weeks ago when we did the uh, dysthemia episode, uh, I was not doing great. Um, I'm about there again. So uh, I probably sound a little more lively and upbeat. We, we've, had a, we've had a fun conversation before this. So I, I'm in slightly higher spirits than uh, I was even just yesterday. Uh, yesterday was a particularly dark day, despite everything going good. I just, uh, just not there. I'm just not here. So that's, that's me. How are you holding up, Linz? I've had a really emotionally turbulent week. Yes, you um, have. Some very scary news came in, and as any of you have experienced, I'm sure at some point in your life, when you have a really intense emotional day or something happens, whether it's a breakup, a death, something really scary happens to you, sometimes you get the slump after, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of going through a slump right now. I've got to, I have so many things I need to do, and so many things I'm worried about, and yeah, uh, health concerns with a family member, and so I'm not doing really, really great, but I am okay. I'm trekking. Yeah. And so, I'm sorry to hear that you're going through this, by the way. I know it's yeah. we we've discussed we were talking before we started recording, but yeah, it's still horrible. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely been uh, it's been a unique time uh the main thing that happened this last week for me at least and has inspired this week's episode was i was given a new diagnosis by my therapist so there's something that happens i think well at least it happens for me i can't speak for everybody but when you get a diagnosis you're like okay and you kind of see how it is a part of your life and then you look up stuff on it and you start to kind of learn more about yourself and why you do certain things or why you feel certain things. And so it feels almost, I'm not going to say comforting, but it can be a comforting thing to acknowledge and be aware and have a professional tell you like, this is what's going on with you because then you can kind of face it head on. And so when you get a new diagnosis, that can be kind of rattling. How was that for you? Definitely. I wouldn't say... (sighs) It's weird because it was simultaneously a grade rattling, but it was also uh, expected. Mm-hmm. It was like it's 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 uh, it's like being hit by a truck that you've been watching coming directly at you for oh, a while. Perfect, so really impactful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, what were you diagnosed with before, and what have you been diagnosed with now? So before I was diagnosed with dysthemia, which was uh, the last time we attempted to discuss it. It's just a a mild, constant kind of dull depressive. depressive. Yeah, it's a very low-grade depression. Um, now I have been finally elevated to major depressive disorder, recurrent mild he says simply because the uh the actual 
uh, depression itself has not manifested itself in ways that are uh, intrinsically harmful. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the major depressive is you're in the major leagues now. So now your depression is hitting harder and you're able to do kind of less about it uh, until you either go on some meds or figure out a therapy that works for you. What did he say about major depressive? Like, what are some of the um, key notes on it? Symptoms? Well, for the most part, uh, it's just a matter of the degree of depression, um, how constant it is, uh, repeated episodes as well um how often they are like you're without specifically without the ups like you don't get the ups in the major depression you just get the downs you get the lows i from an outside perspective what i am seeing so if if you know somebody with depression and you're wondering kind of where they're falling on the spectrum so it doesn't always first of all show up in the same way for everybody so Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. But um, with Chris, I'm noticing that there is a a general just lack of energy and enthusiasm with anything. And I think his ups would be, if he has ups, are more of like he gets up into dysthemia. Mm-hmm. So instead of being completely depressed and um, unable to really react in an appropriate way um, to things. And then when I say appropriate, I mean getting happy in the times that normal, healthy, emotionally... Um, yeah, healthy people would react or, um, I think it's also probably harder to be empathetic towards other people. I could be wrong, but because you just have such a lack of emotional energy, even for yourself, Mm -hmm. being able to feel anything for somebody else is almost out of the question. Oh, absolutely. Um, being able to feel anything for anybody (laughs) is, uh, next to, uh, next to impossible. Um, I, of course, I, the, the thing is that when you say that you can't feel anything for anybody, it, it does, it can come across as a sort of like weird selfishness, but, um, it's, it's just that for me, at least in my experiences, I have, uh, I've spent the better part of my 30 plus years, uh, overly caring for people. Mm-hmm. Like, when somebody is in a dark place, I was always the first one there. I was always trying my best to do everything possible to to lift others. Um, I had an, a particular period of my life where that was that was what I did best. Um, and nothing nothing would really ever get in my way because yeah, I could feel I would feel sad or I'd feel down and but I've always powered through it. And lately, it's, uh, it is a power of mine that is completely removed. I think a good way to understand it is that the person is a little chemistry set, and they are not producing the correct chemicals because they're out of ingredients. Yes. Um, it's not because they don't care or because they don't want to care. And so having understanding is important. And it, I think this is where it gets really hard for people to continue close friendships with someone who has, um, 
major depressive because it's like you can't go to that person with your own problems. It doesn't feel that way anyway because it's like they're not going to be as empathetic or they're, they're just going to be, you know, it, it feels like, well, I don't want to burden that person or whatever, but still do it. I still unload on Chris all the time. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I learned um, this week actually is uh, a key symptom of depression is anhedonia which is usually defined as the loss of ability to experience pleasure. Um, and somebody, uh, somebody had posted that on uh, Today I Learned on Reddit, uh, and uh, there's a comment here that I want to read in full uh, by a Redditor R.R. Taylor. This is what I wish I could convey to people about how depression feels as opposed to being really sad or justifiably grief-stricken. It's like you've just lost the particular hardware that runs all those transcendent, indescribable feelings and sensations and moments that make life worth living. Just like you said with your little chemistry set. <laughs> all of that is just sort of snipped out of you at a bedrock level, and no amount of intellectualizing or trying to power through can make that part of your brain kick back in. Imagine if the only sensation you can process, the only sensation you can even imagine processing ever again is the god-awful feeling of waiting in line for 30 minutes at the post office or bank or going through the same bullshit with Comcast customer service support 40 times. Those agonizing, dull, and irritating little moments of everyday life expand to fill your entire universe. They become all that is and ever will be. That's literally the only sensation you can ever conceive of experiencing for the rest of your life. Most people would seriously entertain just ending it all in those circumstances, and that's basically how depression feels. A non-depressed brain can power through that shit, because you know eventually you might get to feel all that tingly wonderfulness that comes with love, or real joy, or what have you. Those feelings are still stored in your mental library, but in clinical depression, the only thing that exists for you is waiting in line at the bank. Depression should really just be called waiting in line at the bank syndrome. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's exactly what it feels like. And a lot of people, I've noticed, okay, I don't want to say a lot of people, that's so general. I've noticed that when you look up depression or you see it in movies or whatever, it's just this real sadness that's mm -hmm. being portrayed. And that's, that is getting better. That's not in every show now. But so growing up, I thought depression is like you're just really sad and you're in so much emotional pain, which can be a depression. Sure. But the ones that really scare me, and I think the ones that aren't talked about, is the absolute, not even the numb, the bored, waiting in the bank. And the thing about that that I thought really stood out to me was the little irritating moments that happen when you're standing in that line. So when someone kind of, you know, jostles you or someone's taking too long in front of you and everything just becomes a little irritating, that's how you feel every day. So things that could be considered sweet or nice, it irritates you mm -hmm. because now you feel like you're supposed to have an emotional output that you literally cannot do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another comment thread on that, uh, that particular post uh, also pointed out that they had gone to Magic Mountain for the first time in 15 years and they felt nothing. They felt like they were just like riding a car, riding in a car. I went to Disneyland a few days ago with my partner mm -hmm. and um, I just, 
It was okay. The happiest place on earth. It was okay. I I liked I love Disneyland and I um, have a wonderful time with my partner. But that day, I could not enjoy the moment the way I was supposed to, and I was really pissed off with myself that I couldn't. And it's really mm. frustrating. It's so so fucking irritating. Mm-hmm. And it's irritating for me now as your friend Chris to see you going through this because a <laughs> I know what it feels like. And B, because I miss my friend who is happy and healthy. Yeah. And um, and C, I wish I can make it go away. And I know that I can't. And there's nothing I can do. Uh-huh. Um, but then the codependent in me wants to be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a plan. We're going to get you out. We're going to start feeling <laughs> you better. We're going to start. <laughs> and I don't know if that's codependent or if that's just like trying to be the controlling mama bear that I can be sometimes. Well, it's still appreciated. <laughs> um, it's because I care for you. <laughs> I know, and I try to, I try to reciprocate. No, you're you're good. Okay. <laughs> you but, have me over at your house, and yeah, we record, and you offer me beverages. I do. And uh, I'm also not the only one to have gone through a change in diagnosis in their life. Uh yes. So. I had been diagnosed with depression, as you guys know, for a real long time. And in my 20s, I noticed that I kept getting into really toxic cycles um, with my partners. And obviously, at a certain point, you have to be like, why why is it that I keep dating these people who cheat on me or treat me like shit? And I stay and I try to make it work. Why do I do that? And it's like, I just have low self-esteem and I'm just depressed and I was had an abusive relationship with, you know, family member. Anyway, I went to a therapist and I learned that I was not only codependent and I started working on that. And then she's like, you know, I think you need to go see this other therapist. I think you have PTSD. And I had never even thought that that was something that I would ever be diagnosed with because I had always assumed that post-traumatic stress syndrome was something that you get when you had a really horrific, violent thing done against you. So um, war, obviously, is the main thing. Seeing someone killed in front of you, um, being violently raped, that's kind of what came to mind. And so I felt almost like the imposter syndrome of (laughs) getting diagnosed with PTSD. Anyway, so that therapist broke up with me and sent me to another therapist who handled (laughs) PTSD. And she did, and there's, this is when I started learning about it. So I didn't know that post-traumatic stress syndrome changes your brain and how your brain works and how it intakes information, how your day-to-day goes. And things started making sense because I always felt like I was so hypersensitive to everything. I felt like I was extremely reactionary to everything. Things hurt me really deeply and Mm. things that like shouldn't. Or it would just, something would bother me and it would just stay with me. And I didn't like being that person and I felt like um, I was difficult to be around. And I had nightmares like every night. And um, so some of the symptoms are uh, flashbacks, which I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced a flashback. Emotional flooding, I get that still. Um, Attempts to avoid reminders of the event or being associated emotions. So when you have PTSD... It's it's just when you feel unsafe and, like, your life is at risk. So if you're a little kid and um, a parent is, you know, screaming at you and threatening you and you're, you know, three or four, 
you could feel like your life is at danger. That could give you PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, having an earthquake happen, that could give you PTSD. And then if you're undiagnosed for your entire life um, and everyone just thinks, well, you're just a really sensitive child, you're just very emotional and you grow up with it, then you think you know, there's something wrong with you. Anyway, that leads to, it leads to depression. It leads to DID. It can lead to obviously anxiety. Um, and it just makes you hyper vigilant and hyper aware of people. So for me, learning about all of this, like changed my life, right? Because then suddenly it was something that I could be like, oh, this is why I'm like this. I can start doing something to help myself. Mm-hmm. And so she, yeah, we did special specialized therapy. We did EMDR. Um, and we've talked about that in other episodes, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Basically, it just starts to take the intensity out of traumatic experiences. And when I say traumatic, I don't mean like, oh, it was a scary or like sad. I mean, like I was traumatized by them. <laughs> not to be, yeah. not, that's not, I'm not being dramatic. Like I was literally dramatic. Yeah, no, it's so, literally a I traumatic think, event. Yeah, I think the thing is like verbiage right now is so like, oh, I'm so depressed or oh, I'm starving. Or, oh, that was traumatizing. Like actually those words do mean something. Um, so, and then I stopped being as reactionary. I was able to take a moment before my body was flooded with the fight or flight response because if you do a scan of somebody's brain who has PTSD, their uh, centers are different. The things that light up are different than with somebody who has never had post-traumatic stress syndrome. So um, it's more like you're always about to have an adrenaline kick in, the yeah. adrenaline hit. And it's really scary. And exhausting, And I'm sure. totally exhausting. So... And it, and it makes you feel like you're not really, you know, connecting with people because you're, you're reacting in a weird way. Yeah. You could also, I mean, if you've, if you've been through a toxic relationship and there are things out there that exist um, and you, uh, you really take them to heart because uh, if you see, if you see something happen or you see a pattern that triggers that response that you used to have in that relationship... There's no doubt <laughs> that's that's some post-traumatic stress. Yeah, I think more there's actually a higher percentage of people with PTSD than um, we're aware of. And it's something that's just now really starting to come out a little bit more. But most people don't talk about PTSD because it's almost reserved, seemingly, for people who've gone through really horrific things because their PTSD is very loud. It's like they, they can't actually function in the day-to-day life at all. They need, you know, mm. a service dog, et cetera. I can't, I can't deal with somebody yelling at me anymore. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, you, you That's, have trauma. Yeah, it's, it's just... You shut down or you I, freak out? I freak out and then I shut down. Yeah, that's the other thing. You can be, you can obviously, and of course, but this just bears, it needs to be said, you can get PTSD at any time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be something that seems as small to you as being in really bad fights with a partner. Yeah. Um, it's just a brain response that is subconscious that you don't know that suddenly something has changed in you and how you react to things now. So speaking so. of reacting to things now, um, yes. once you've got this new diagnosis, yes, what are your what are the next steps? What do you where do you go from here? What did your therapist say? So my therapist actually wanted to refer to me uh, refer me to a psychiatrist. Um, he wanted me to kind of step into the next go into the next steps, see if uh, 
if nothing else is working, if talk therapy isn't working, and if, if lifestyle changes aren't working or lifestyle changes aren't sticking, as is the case, um, it may be that I need to return to more chemical fixes. Uh, he recognized that Lexapro didn't work for me, but a, uh, an antidepressant that is more of a stimulant may be more in keeping with what I need. Mm. Uh, which I was like, okay, that's something I can consider. It's not one I necessarily want to consider. But for me, it more opened up the the floodgates of severe uh, doubt and a lot of self-annoyance of, great, you're back here again. Now you need to do this. There, stop fighting yourself. So for me, I'm more along the lines of... I don't know what my next steps necessarily are, and I need to really kind of work with my therapist to see what I should be doing on a daily basis. But I have nothing. No no real plans. Not yet. Yeah. Maybe next week we'll talk about the plan moving forward. I think so. Um, for me, what happened at the time was I got a book on trauma. Because that's something that works for me. Sitting in my own home and reading and taking notes on it <laughs> does not work for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And doing the work with my therapist because she was a specialized therapist. So I do think that finding help that is for your specific condition is incredibly important. Um, most people think, oh, you go to a therapist and you talk about the problems and the issues. If you have trauma, PTSD, talking about something that was traumatic puts you right back in the trauma and doesn't help to heal or fix anything. You actually have to do something to get rid of that. Like EMDR, um, there's other special specialized things to do to take trauma out of an emotional event and just make it be like a sad, horrible event that happened to you, not something that totally fucks you up. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was working through that and researching because now I understand I have bad memories stuff. Um, I go numb a lot. So I have like a bit of a disassociative thing that happens with me, um, trying to be able to communicate that to partners or friends. Um, and I know that I have bad responses to certain things. And so trying to learn and navigate that and just be kind to myself. Um, and next steps for me with that is uh, I've kind of put that in the back burner and I think I need to touch back on it because I don't know, I've been reacting weird to stuff lately. Um, and, you know, life is good to move forward and grow. And both Chris and I should be hiking more or exercising more. <laughs> and I think getting out in nature. So, yeah, that's something that I would like for us both to do. And maybe that's something we can try together. I think that's not a bad idea. I don't love doing those things alone. So have you been to the wisdom tree? I don't think so. We should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. So one note that we wanted to touch on also today, um, this could possibly evolve into its own episode by itself, but does your diagnosis define you? Now, what do we mean by that? 
it's it's very easy when you get your diagnosis or a new diagnosis that you <clears throat> you do what we both do, which is dive deep and research and see, okay, here are all the things. Oh yeah, that fits. Yeah, that fits. Okay, that fits too. But do we ever let our diagnosis become a definer of who we are? As in, do you tell yourself that you are a person with depression? Or are you a depressed person? What do you feel? I go back and forth on it. Um, and I'm definitely guilty of coming to a place where I'm, I'm actually doing pretty well and then not wanting to be like, I'm not depressed anymore. Mm -hmm. Because for so long I was depressed. It feels almost like this betrayal of what I've gone through or, mm -hmm. or, or who I was. And it did. It did feel like I'm a depressed person. Sure. Because part of it, I felt like, is what made me so emotional and sensitive to other people. And maybe I glorified it a little bit more than I should have. We, we, we can definitely fall into that trap of glorifying uh, something that is, is kind of a... It, it's very easy to do because it affects your behavior. It affects how you think. It affects how you feel. So, so labeling yourself as a depressed person can feel kind of welcoming, almost. Yeah. If, if a little... It, well, it feels like suddenly you belong to a certain tribe. Yes. And you have something to connect to, especially if you have a hard time feeling connected to anything, suddenly having something. So that can be, yes. So. You forget that it's a yeah. bad thing. It is. It is. <laughs> not bad, but. Well, it is, it is not an ideal, an ideal way to live. Yes. It is essentially limping your way through life. So something that we've, we've, noticed a fair bit uh lately is is there is a certain amount of grandeur mm -hmm. <laughs> surrounding the idea of oh i have a mental illness it's like that's it's not... become this popular thing especially i've noticed on youtube like mm -hmm. hey guys i just want to tell you like i have depression and anxiety and it's like i'm not discounting that some people do sure but it's a really shitty thing to have and you shouldn't strive to have it no <laughs> like, no 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 if anything you should strive not to have it you yeah, should strive to not wallow and it and i know that that's not it's like well well fuck Lindsay. you know i'm not <laughs> making any happy emotions i'm barely <laughs> surviving life what do you mean wallow i can't help it well there's a difference between struggling mm. and wallowing yes struggling you are actively doing something or at least want to actively do something because sometimes that's all you can do is you don't necessarily get better, but you want to get better. When you fall into a hole and you fall into a deep pit and all you want is to live in that deep pit, that's, that's when you go from dysthemia to major depressive disorder. Well, yes, so. but also there's, if... This is a hard line to define, guys, because I, I don't want to sound insensitive, mm -hmm. and I know what it's like to not care. Yep. Not caring, though, I also feel like is not wallowing. You guys know what wallowing is. It's when you feel sorry for yourself. It's mm -hmm. when you're over the top feeding the negativity, when you're not doing anything to help yourself, and it's been a long, long time, but you keep complaining about the same things, but you're not doing anything to help. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you need help and you can't do it for yourself, then you reach out, you yeah. know? And if you... There's things you can do. Obviously, 
if you are going through a major depressive, if you're going through these really painful things in your life or just numb things in your life, mm -hmm. it's awful. And I've been through a lot of it. Not all of it, but a mm -hmm. lot of it. And I'm not discounting the the misery that that, that is and the what you're going through. But I think there's something to be said for trying. Just yes. just trying. And um whatever that looks like, even if that's just getting up and brushing your teeth and going back to bed. Yep. If you do if <laughs> you, you know? do that, that's already hey, that's that's already a step above what you wanted to do, probably. Which was just stay in bed and eat that bag of old Doritos that's been sitting there for like a month. Been there, done that. Yep. I I do have a hard time with, yeah, once I've been diagnosed with something, with trying to get better, getting better, and then being like, I am not that anymore. And what's else scary is then once you're, you do feel like you're healthy for a while and things are going well, and then it comes back. Yep. So whenever diagnosis change, it's hard either way. So if you're going through any of that, guys, I'm sorry, and we're here for you. Message us. Um, mm -hmm. And... We'd love to hear from you at... You can always follow us on Instagram at Hey Who Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the subreddit, which I have been leaving langu languishing a little bit. Uh, <laughs> if you want to send us something more directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com. We love getting your guys' emails. We do. It helps us because we have depression. And getting together and talking about depression once a week can sometimes wear us down and so hearing that it is helping somebody anybody is lovely so thank you guys for those of you who have messaged us i still read over them sometimes yep. to get through yep we we keep them in a little i keep mine at least every time i send you a screenshot i put yeah. it in a little folder in my phone which uh. is like for for feel goods mm. and it's like yay and we talk about it and it's nice yeah exactly so on that note guys if you're doing bad you're going to do better. And even if it doesn't feel like it, we're all going to make it through this. You got this. <laughs> all right, little chemistry sets. <laughs> As always, don't, don't tell, tell us, us to just, just get over it. it.